Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Batter up. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 157 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I'm joined this week by my lovely co hosts, Linda Serovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So this is our first um, official podcast of 2023 regular season baseball. Very exciting. Yay, real baseball. Yay. Um, Since we last recorded, uh, the Mets have had concluded their opening series. Um, We were actually recording this on Sunday night, April 2nd. But by the time you hear it, it'll probably be Tuesday morning. So they'll have had one more game that we can't talk about because we don't have a crystal ball. (laughs) Can't predict the future. But there will be by the time you hear this in your ear holes, potentially one more uh, game. But so far, the Mets have won three of four against the Marlins in their uh, their opening series of the of the season. Um, highlights, uh, you know, we had obviously, and we'll get more into why both David Peterson and Tyler McGill are in the rotation uh, later in the show. Um, but they were both in the rotation, and they both pitched fine, even if like. It wasn't a super like aesthetically fun experience to watch. Like they both <laughs> kind of labored, but they pitched fine. And the Mets split those two games. Uh, they lost the David Peterson game and won the Tyler McGill game. Um, and the bullpen has been fine, uh, mostly. Uh, they really have looked pretty good. Uh, the offense as a collective looked pretty good in these four games, um, though one notable exception is probably Eduardo Escobar is <laughs> not looked very good I'm telling um, you he just loves bread batty he just yeah. really he just misses him he just wants him back yes uh it is particularly I think that like I think that normally un- it, it, under normal circumstances one player in the lineup struggling wouldn't be all that noticeable if not for the fact that like the Mets notably kept him on the roster instead of, well, not kept him on the roster. He would have been on the roster either way, but gave him the starting job and didn't um, promote Brett Beatty. And um, Beatty has absolutely killed it in triple a. He had like a four for five day the other day where he hit two home runs, including a grand slam drove in five um, like a ridiculous day and had a stolen base, I think also. (laughs) So (laughs) Like it did seem a lot like let the other boys have a chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So that's kind of the only notable like is that Escobar has struggled. He he's hit a couple of balls hard um, that uh, guys have made good defensive plays on to to be fair to him. Um, but he hasn't looked particularly good, um, especially when you consider that everyone else has looked pretty good. Lindor hasn't really like broken out yet, um, especially when you look at the fact that he was having such a good spring um, in comparison. He hasn't really broken out, but he's been really good on the defensive side of the ball, he's already made like a couple of really, really nice plays in the field. Um, anyone who says that Francisco Lindor's defense is in decline has me to answer to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that one was it. I can't, it must've been yesterday where he cleared like, like 20 feet across the infield practically from like almost at second, to almost at third and then threw it across the diamond, like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> like yeah that sure beauty that was that was beautiful that was like every part of that was perfect like yeah sure ban the shift see see if i care <laughs> i um, feel like lindor does this every year he like looks great in spring and then gets off to a slow start I'm like dude where'd that all go yeah i don't know i i'm not worried about it it's been four if games it's all in the defense it's paying off because he looks amazing and he yeah. will, the, the bat will get back. It always does. He still it finds always. ways to contribute. So it's fine. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Mets offense has done fine. Um, even without him, Marcana had a big day the other day. Um, Tommy Fam had a huge day today. Just <laughs> like we all knew. Exactly. We all, like we all predicted. <laughs> exactly. Buck, B- Buck Showalter made two decisions today that were extremely questionable, I thought, and both uh, made him look like a genius. He... He put Tommy Pham in center field and batted him lead off for Brandon Nimmo, gave Brandon Nimmo the day off, which I don't have a problem with giving Brandon Nimmo the day off. Sure, do that. But yeah, I was like, I don't know about a center fielder Tommy Pham batting lead off. And then Tommy Pham looked fine in center and had a great day at the plate, almost hit for the cycle. Um, and then he also... Um, left Steven Nagosik in for two innings uh, after he looked shaky in his first inning of work and I, and threw like a lot of pitches. And I was like, I don't know about putting him back out there for a second inning of work. And then he it's not like breathed. Nagosik is someone who's like, well, we just want to try to get him out there as much as possible. Right? <laughs> and then he breezed through his second inning of work. So I was like, well, what do I know? Buck show Walter masterclass out here. Well, and it's um, also hysterical, too. Like, after Senko was out of the game, I went food shopping, came back. Um, and I saw that the, when I left, they were winning 4-1. to one, And then when I came back, they were winning 5-1. to one. So then they put the box score on the TV. And outside of FAM, there were only, like, two other people got hits. So they scored five runs. And only three people got hits in the lineup. Yep. Yep. Like, I guess they're living right. I don't know. It's like, been kind of... Different people like contributing every day, which has been kind of cool. Although Pete also had a good game the other day with Canna too. Canna kind of yes. stole the show, but Pete also had a couple hits. Yep, yep. And it was Nimmo in the first game that they won. Um, had a big day. Um, and Starling Martes looked pretty good. Um, as well. So yeah, it's been it's it's been good so far. And Omar Narvaez too. I yeah. think yeah. already contributing more than James McCann <laughs> ever did. Um, <laughs> so gang production everywhere. Kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's been good so far. Um, and, and although when know, I see Navarre doing that, I just, I have to warn everybody. Remember John Buck. Remember <laughs> John. catchers can do anything in April. It doesn't count. <laughs> uh, early contender for episode title. Remember John Buck. Wait, um, is, uh, is Narvaez's wife pregnant by any chance? Because I mean, that's when Alvarez will come up. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know anything about Narvaez's family situation, actually. <laughs> Best um, of luck to them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been nice to see. And uh, on the Nagosik point, like, related i it's been it's been nice to see the bullpen doing well and in the first in the first four games buck show walter executed his bullpen plan perfectly as in like different guys pitched every time and like he's managed to get one like everybody in one game and like he did very much the same thing that he did last year um if you recall he put trevor williams trevor williams was the only guy who hadn't pitched yet in the first series of the year last year and he put him in in like a 
tie game, I think, in the eighth or something like that, and it did not go well. Trevor Williams ultimately had a fantastic year for the Mets, but it was one of those, like, had to pitch Trevor Williams, even though it was high leverage, because he was the only guy who hadn't pitched yet. Um, And he very much did the same thing this year, but yet it worked out for him. (laughs) Well, no, so it's nice, because I think last podcast, we were just assuming that Santana made the team, and now we have confirmation that Santana made the team. And has pitched twice and has looked great both times. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He earned it. He's honestly looked the sharpest almost out of everyone in the bullpen. Like everyone gets to recycle their Johan Santana jerseys. Congratulations. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and, and, uh, or you could get creative and turn a Noah Syndergaard jersey into a Sanga jersey, as we saw in the, in the one game, someone had like, cause they have the same number. So someone had like taped over like certain letters of Syndergaard and like made Sanga out of it. <laughs> um, I have to say though, scene 34 on the mound was throwing me though. Yeah. It, 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 it was, was weird. weird. Yeah. It was weird. Uh, I'll admit that it was weird, but uh, and and Sanga struggled struggled early uh, early in the game. We'll we'll, we'll cover that more. Um, but Sanga struggled earlier early in the game, and then he really really settled in and looked good, um, and had a great outing. So that was nice to see in his first outing, um, also as a Met. So that was and really didn't nice. like every strikeout wasn't it on the ghost? Every strikeout was on the ghost. That's incredible. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ghost was working. Love it. Yeah, what it's doing. Um, I mean, like, I don't want to, I don't want to set expectations like too high because, like, I think one can set oneself up for disappointment that way. Um, I think there's probably going to be some adjustment that the league is going to make to the ghost. It's like a very unique pitch, and so when when guys are seeing it for the first time. Um, you get a lot of silly swings like the one that you Yuli Gurriel did in this game where he basically chucked his bat across the field, <laughs> try, uh, swinging and missing at the ghost. Um, so I think there's going to be some adjustment that the league is going to make after they see Sanga a little bit. Um, but hopefully he adjusts back because that is the beautiful chess that is baseball. So, well, I, I did predict that he would lead the team in strikeouts over Verlander and Scherzer. It's true. Your bold prediction's the, looking pretty good. Yeah. So I don't, I'm just putting that out there. I'm not, you know, I'm not following it up with anything. I'm just making a statement and that I've been right twice in the past. <laughs> yeah. You're amazing. Well, having you bold prediction record is good. It is. Well, and he also comes on the heels of two pretty solid my guy, my dude picks over the last two years, too. Oh. So he's getting the the my guy boost that Canna got last year and Walker the year before. So I think it's it's a good day to be Senga. Vibes are good. Yeah. Um yeah. Your your amazing avenue bull predictions looking good, Linda. So is Michael's amazing avenue bull prediction bull prediction, which is the bullpen will be fine. Um, and so far it's been fine. Um, too early to say on mine that Francisco Lindor will have a 30-30 season, though he has stolen a base already. Um, so we'll see about that. Um the one, uh, but yeah, um, amongst all the good vibes, that was the first uh, series of the year. There was, there was a one, uh, one damper on it, which which happened literally on opening day, hours before first pitch. <laughs> of course, we couldn't even. We were all so excited, like we were finally, like you know, baseball getting Yay! over the whole like Edwin Diaz thing, and like, like all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get over Edwin Diaz. Like I know that like that was hurtful, but the season's starting. It's great. Everything is awesome. Wait, what is that alert I'm getting from the MLB app? <laughs> what could it be on opening day? Like uh, it was one of those like. Is this a joke? Because like it it came out of absolutely nowhere. There was like no there was no like pre like I it just it was just like boom. And it wasn't even like the uh the like the beat writers didn't get it first. Like the Mets tweeted it and then the beat writers tweeted it. It was like the Mets just like dropped a bomb like at Mets, Justin Verlander to the IL. (laughs) You know it's serious if the Mets organization keeps their fucking mouths shut for five minutes. Exactly. (laughs) Um, well, so yeah, like, I was like, I didn't believe it. Cause I was like, he just pitched the spring training finale. Right. He was, was just, I was like, yeah. I mean, he must've just come up sore. Like it was probably just as simple as that. Like he really felt it after that game. 
Yeah, like, he said he womp, said womp. that he felt it during the game and sort of so this is Justin Verlander for those of you who've been living under a rock. Um Justin Verlander is starting this season on the injured list uh with a low grade strain of the Terry's major muscle. Um and if you know where that is then good for you. Um it is I had to google it. <laughs> It's a um so it was interesting because I I like sort of knew where it was but like I didn't really know and then like I thought it was like I was like is this cuz p- this keeps happening cuz Tristan McKenzie of the of the Guardians has this same injury but more severe um like a higher grade strain that's going to keep him sidelined for longer and I had thought that it was like that it and the lat were sort of like 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 synonymous terms and then Verlander had said when he was talking to the press about the injury that he was glad it wasn't his lat so I was like all right I need to clarify what this is (laughs) so then I did some googling and yes it is it is adjacent to the lat and it is part of the same like general musculature but it is like a smaller muscle that's like next to the lat that's kind of like in your armpit area um and yeah it's a low-grade strain for Verlander, um, he emphasized that it wasn't that was minor, that it wasn't that big of a deal, that if it had been the playoffs, that he would have pitched through it, that he's going to continue say he would pitch well through it. I mean, just yeah, true. for that record. Um, true. Um, but yeah, he, he did say that he would it's something that he would have tried to pitch through if we weren't like right at the beginning of the season. Um, so he is going to start the season on the injured list. We got that big like bomb drop right as opening day was happening, which was a huge bummer. <laughs> well, my but... coworker, like she's the one who actually told me because she gets the alerts on her smartphone. I mean, of her smartwatch, and um, and she knew I was supposed to recap the third game of the season. I was like, oh well, that's a, for Gumby Verlander's first start. So she peeks into my office and she goes. Well, you're not going to be recapping Verlander's start. I was like, what? I was like, you're kidding. I was like, why? What happened? So she told me. So then she said, um, I guess there's like a meme from the sweet life of Zach and Cody where it says, like, somebody's yelling, how do you lose a woman? And they say, you don't, you forget to cherish her. So then she tells me, you forgot to cherish Verlander. (laughs) That's, we forgot to cherish Verlander. Lesson learned. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so I will be honest. I don't think that I have devoted enough of my cherishment to Verlander as his pedigree probably deserves. <laughs> I think certainly the the love I lavished upon Max Scherzer over the last year plus um, has not yet been matched by Verlander. But because no. Verlander's know, a Jake replacement, and like I don't want a Jake yeah. replacement. I want Jake. Jake did not cover himself in glory no. in his first start, though. Yeah, it's been a it's been a weird week for ex Mets pitchers. That's yeah. for sure. Well, and Bassett today too. Seth Lugo pitched uh, seven sparkling innings for the San Diego Padres. <laughs> so, however, Lugo as the resident <laughs> as the resident Seth Lugo believer, allow <laughs> me to say I told you so. <laughs> yeah, that, that was I fully your- expect the Mets to look dumb after the Lugo thing, except not really. Like I think everybody made perfectly reasonable choices here. But, yeah, like yeah, it's fine that they move the guy on. who I think will make them be like, ooh, yeah. Oops. Like I'm not pretending that I thought that the Mets should have like signed Seth Lugo to be a starting pitcher with them and given him the contract <laughs> that the, that the Padres gave him. But still I was, I, I feel like I believed in, in Lugo even as a starter longer than most people. And I mean, I, the, the main factor at play here is actually that the Padres like probably are a smarter organization than the Mets and probably are more well-equipped to make him a successful starting pitcher in a way that the Mets never could. Um, And I'm not sure he ever would have done this with the Mets, Um, but I wish him all the success in the world in San Diego. Um, I hope he continues to do well. And Syndergaard was actually not bad. Yes, Syndergaard was good as well in his first outing. Um, I wish Syndergaard the best. Yeah. Yes. I still feel like he's going to be a lost puppy that finds his way back home. I just had, there's, I just have that feeling about him. I always felt that way about Matt Harvey and then it never happened. Although I guess I suppose it's the the door is still a little open. Maybe. I don't know. Um, We are like, we are dangerously close to, to Dylan Bundy already making (laughs) a Mets appearance, which 
as good as that would be for my brand, I don't think it would be very good for the New York Mets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. Like, like you said, they were both fine, but watching Peterson and McGill back to back was brutal. It was brutal. Like, listen, I think that they're both perfectly adequate, like sixth starters or whatever. I just. I don't enjoy the idea of them both in the rotation at the same time. One or the other at any given time is fine. Yeah. And back to back is just like, ugh. but this will hopefully be a temporary situation. Um, Verlander should not miss too, too much time. Hopefully Um, he will miss the home opener. And so that I now have tickets to see Tyler McGill and it's probably going (laughs) to rain. So, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Um, But things are okay (laughs) right now. They survived. (laughs) They survived. They survived the first turn through the rotation with both Peterson and McGill in it, and it was fine. Um, They play Milwaukee this week um, before they they go home uh, to open at Citi Field. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. In non-Mets news, uh, but big news for this podcast, um, affects the Mets and every team, um, Mm. the minor league union and major league baseball are in an agreement on the first ever collective bargaining agreement for minor league players, which is a huge deal. And that kind of came out of nowhere, too. It did. Um, just like the original announcement back last summer, it was really just there wasn't even any buzz. It was just like, oh, the union's happening yep. like now. Yep. Um. So just like that, uh, that was like really big that the union even happened. Um. The fact that there's the CBA is is huge. And um. some some details, some important highlights from it. First of all, pay increases is the biggest thing, obviously. Um, and it pay the pay has more than doubled at each all the level. way up to absolutely disgustingly low wages. <laughs> yes. And that is doubling up from is that even legal? And of course, the answer being yes, because there are special laws just for baseball. <laughs> yes. Uh, which as we as we've continued to cover on this show, the baseball is still continuing to try to find ways around this uh, and try to pay the minor leaguers as little as possible by skirting minimum wage laws, both federally and in the states that the minor leaguers play in. Um, but this is certainly I mean, they're they are salaries that are like horrendously low, but also salaries that other people in terrible paying jobs make. Right. So, exactly. Like, congratulations. Like, but like minor yeah. leaguers go from like pretty much universally like the lowest paid like workers in America to among the lowest paid <laughs> in America. I mean there are like multiple levels where you will be paid less than 20 grand. Except right. not now. Right. Now they're not. So. Now they're not. Um the complex league went up uh from 4800 per year <laughs> to 19800. Um, low A went from 11,000 to 26,200 high A went from 11,000 to 27,300, uh, double A 13,800 to 30,250 triple A 17,500 to 35,800. 13,700. I come on. Oh, yep. It's still, okay. We're, we're like, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's, it's still absurdly low. There is still so much progress that needs to be made, but 
we at least have something to start from. Um, and I think that that, I think that that gets lost among like, I think there are a lot of people um, in like kind of lefty baseball Twitter spaces and rightfully so like saying like, this is still unacceptable. And yes, that's true. This is still unacceptable. This is not enough money for someone to live on, but it's but a starting cute. point. Yeah. It's a starting point. And when you consider the fact that their their housing is still subsidized um, by their teams, um, that's at least you think about like, you know, the bare minimum basics that you need to live. Like they have housing. They have these like very low wages. Like this is at least like I can live on this as opposed to like I can't live on this. I need to get another job or like I need to pack like a million guys into like a one bedroom apartment on like eight air mattresses like we're at least like moving beyond that level of abject poverty. Well, and I think now this combined with them having a union too, like it, it, the, they're, it's only going to get better. I mean, it's still not great, but it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, it gives them a lot moving forward. Yeah. And one of the other details, speaking of housing, is that um, uh, something else that they successfully bargained for in this CBA was uh, improvement in the housing, particularly for players with families, which was a huge thing for the players. Um, we've covered this on this podcast and lots of folks um, have done really good journalism about the horrendous conditions that players were forced to live under with the whole like sharing with so many roommates and things like that was not conducive to players who have families who have to, you know, who want to live together um, and build a life. Um, so that was a huge thing for players and the apparently the housing, particularly for players with families, has improved. That's really good also. Um, arguably, um, aside from the the increase in salary, the biggest win in this CBA is that players who sign at 19 years of age or older are now under team control for six years and not seven, which that is that's really big. That is something that players would have had to like go on strike for in the past to get um, yeah i was kind of surprised that was in there like i thought they would just agree to money and that would be it but just to to get something else that big was a huge win for them yeah like they clawed back a year like a year less of team control like that is that's huge um because uh, one of the biggest issues at the at the major league level too, CBA wise, one of the biggest issues for players is how long it takes to get to free agency. Yep. To get your payday, because when you're under team control, you don't make that much. Um, and so this this was big to get this in this in this minor league CBA. So that was that was a big thing. Um, Obviously, for all these for all these wins, there were things that the union had to sacrifice. Um, and the biggest concession that the union made to the league is that the domestic reserve list, which is the n- maximum number of players that an organization can have outside of Latin America, is going to be reduced um, from 180 to 165. Um So this is like a big thing um, that the league wanted. They wanted it in the major league negotiations um, and they've gotten it in this minor league CBA. You know, like this is all kind of I mean, there are people that know a lot more about this stuff than I do. And I'm sure from the guys I'm from Complex to Queens are going to talk about this. Other folks who cover the minor leagues are going to talk about this. Um, But what I do know is this this is all kind of related to the fact that that Major League Baseball has been trying to reduce, has been trying to contract the minor leagues and just reduce roster sizes wherever they can so that, you know, they can say, look, we're paying the players more, but there's fewer of them. (laughs) (laughs) So they can claw back nickels and dimes that way by saying that they're paying the players more, but then they just will shrink the roster sizes so that um, they don't have to pay as many players. So this is a concession that the union had to make to the league for these things. Um, so 15 people sad. doesn't sound like a lot, but that's times 30 organizations. And those are just dudes who don't have jobs anymore. So that exactly. is like, it's, it's more than just like 15 domestic reserve spots. It's, you know, it's jobs. It sucks. Yeah. Like it's a couple hundred dudes who are going to get, left out in the cold now um 
And when you think about like, we've talked about this in the context of when they shrunk the draft during COVID to fewer rounds, like that's fewer Mike Piazza's and Seth Lugos and guys like that. And like Jacob guys DeGrom. And Jacob DeGrom's. Like there's fewer guys like that that will be allowed to succeed now. Um, and it's a similar idea with this. It's just like, you know, when you multiply that by every organization, it's just, yeah, jobs lost, which is unfortunate um, and shouldn't be overlooked when we're talking about all the good things that are happening here. Obviously, concessions have to be made and that's not ideal, but that's that's what negotiating is all about, <laughs> I suppose. Um, gotta give to get. Gotta give to get. So yeah, this was this was huge. Um, good starting point to build from. Hopefully things will continue to improve for minor leaguers. Um, one sort of like smaller note in all of this that had this actually happened before um the news of the CBA dropped. Um, there was an update in the um in the big uh the big Sen lawsuit that minor leaguers filed. Um, if you remember, um, I can't remember, I think we did cover this on the podcast, but it might've been a really brief topic, but, um, the minor league, uh, MLB, uh, agreed to pay a $185 million settlement in a class action lawsuit brought by minor league players over unpaid wages. Um, like, and this was like ongoing for like years and years and years. Um, and finally over the summer last year. Um, they agreed to pay this settlement, but there was like um, there were objections to the settlement. I, I'm not I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> so I find that sometimes this stuff goes over my head a little bit. But there was like some sort of objection that to the settlement and that uh, and right before the news of this CBA dropped, um, the uh, Evan Drellich tweeted that a federal judge approved the settlement and said that the objections to the settlement lacked merit. Um, I think I don't, it's an appeal can still be filed by, I think major league baseball. Um, and if it's not filed within 30 days, the players will actually begin receiving money from the settlement that was agreed to over the summer. Um, but because of legal ins and outs, finally a judge said these objections lack merit this this settlement should move forward so that's good too that was also a win for minor league players that happened this week um that they will get uh money from the league for unpaid wages that they are owed (laughs) (laughs) so that's good um we also have uh, a couple of new entries this week in i took the form of a 45 year old white man for a reason i can only fail up um the the last good part of the there was the good the good news. No, no. <laughs> the bad news. The bad news. Going back and forth as always. As always. I like to alternate on this podcast. I like to like, you know, we we, we, we are keep nothing it... if not a wild roller coaster. Exactly. Um can't have too much good news now. <laughs> I don't like to I don't like to have everything be a downer, but I mean, well, that should be our biggest problem. <laughs> <laughs> we need one of those episodes where like too much good news, man. Too much good news. Um Unfortunately, the Orioles organization are becoming frequent flyers on I took the form of a 45 year old white man for a reason I can only fail up Um, both their uh, GM and their ownership. Um, In this case, it's a combination of both. Um, One of the the things on this that I would like to mention is that the we talked about I talked about Mike Elias uh, on the last iteration of this segment um, and about Grayson Rodriguez and Grayson Rodriguez not making the Orioles and his comments that his bullshit rather bullshit, frankly, comments that he gave about that. And it turned out that those comments were even worse than I originally thought when we recorded, um, because I saw um, I'm not sure if it was a quote that he gave at the same time as that other one. And it was a longer version of the quote that I didn't see or if it was an entirely different quote. But I hadn't seen this little snippet uh, when we recorded this last time and I wanted to call it out because it's horrendous. He said that he, quote, hoped Grayson Rodriguez would come to spring training as the best version of himself. Uh, Someone said that that sounded uh, like a Sex in the City epilogue uh, voiceover, and that is the most accurate thing. (laughs) (laughs) That he hoped he would come as the best version of himself. The best version (laughs) of himself. Um, This is not, and I mean, like, 
this quote is bad even on its own in and of itself because it's basically insinuating that Grayson Rodriguez is not trying or something like that. Um, But it's even worse when you consider the fact that this is not the first time that he's spoken like this about his young players. Um, Last this time last year, I think it was last April. um, And I think I brought it up on this very show. um, He basically said that the young guys haven't stepped up enough. And that's why the Orioles weren't good. And I was like, also, excuse to be clear, me. Like Rodriguez didn't have a bad spring. Right. No. His spring was good. <laughs> it wasn't like he just kind of got knocked around a little bit hard. Like, no, he was great. What What is the best version of himself if it's not like just showing up and pitching really well? I don't I mean, know. The answer is it's nothing. It's it, this is all just made up nonsense to mess with these guys employment. Like, that's but it. Also, like, how are you going to motivate the kid now? You just throw him under the bus for no reason. Right. Like, I don't know. It's like, like, is it a, is it a not in the best shape of his life thing? Like, I have no idea what it is, but it was, it was gross regardless. <laughs> um, So I hate that. Um, But yeah, the, the Orioles uh, have multiple entries in this, uh, in this uh, segment this week. Uh, because the uh, because John Angelos, the gift that keeps on giving for this segment, um, when asked about uh, extending uh, their young st- the Orioles' young stars, such as Adley Rushman, Gunnar Henderson, etc., uh, John Angelos uh, pointed to the challenges of being a small market team in Major League Baseball as compared to the NFL. Womp womp. And how much is he worth again? Oh, good question. Let's Google that. John Angelos net worth. Da, 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 Two billion dollars. There it is. <laughs> now to be grant to be fair, that is like what Steve Cohen leaves as a tip um for a particularly big delivery order, but like yeah. <laughs> it's John one Adley Rushman, Michael. Players. What could it cost? <laughs> um so yeah, that's like that's like not, that does not uh inspire confidence when you know asking about extending your young players. He's like, well, you see, the challenges of being a small market team are <laughs> good, great, awesome. Um, and it's like where you want to start if you're a rebuilding team in a small market, isn't like extending your young players like the new core that you built like exactly the game plan? Isn't that kind of the point? I don't like mm-hmm. what. Well, then you're, you're you know, like, it's also becoming a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy, too. Like, you're going in with a defeatist a- attitude. Like, well, we're small market. We're all, well, can't compete. So we might as well not even try. Like, well, try. Yeah. <laughs> they, yep. I, it's, it's frustrating. That's what I would do. I would, too. And it's just the vibes are so bad because, like, this obviously isn't necessarily on the same level as, like, putting down your young players and talking about potentially not extending them. But it's just like it, it, I feel like it's just indicative of the overall vibes around the Orioles organization right now um, is that they took down the iconic Baltimore sun sign at Camden yards and replaced it with a, like an advertisement for sports betting. It's sports betting. It's everywhere. I don't have time on this particular show, but I feel like we're overdue for, a yeah, whole nother are. rant about sports betting and yeah, its effect on the fan experience and mm-hmm. just like watching sports. And I'll save uh, a good little anecdote for my six year old for that's a little teaser for when we ever do like a real sports betting segment. A good yeah. line from Ellie. Yeah. I don't, I don't have time. We don't have time to go into that today. Maybe we will on a future show, but just suffice it to say, like, it sucks. It sucks to look up where the iconic Baltimore sun sign used to be and see a slogan, quote, good teams win, great teams cover. Ugh. Oh, so gross. Just awful. Like, awful. It just makes me so sad. It's like, like, have some self-reflection there, Orioles, too. Really? Like, it's just truly the lack of self-awareness is incredible. Um, Yeah, it's it's sad um but yeah sports betting is a is a topic for another podcast i i in the future we should do a whole segment on it because i'm 
I'm so over it. Um, like even today, you're watching the game and it's like betting lines or yep. scrolling along the bottom. It's like, it's so gross. It's not like I'm turning into baseball to see betting lines. Absolutely not. Nope. Um, I try to tune it out as much as I can, but obviously it's hard when it's a fire hose of stuff. Um, so the other entry in, uh, in I took the form of a 45-year-old white man for a reason I can only fail up is Art Moreno again um he's been on this segment before he will he is again um the angels uh radio broadcasts will be remote this season when again when the angels are on the road this is something that was true during covid for pretty much every team is that or all the teams i think is that the you know when the team was on the road the broadcast team did not travel with them they called the game at the home stadium remotely the Angels are the only team that are still doing that this season. Despite they the fact that and they were like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. They, they, and they isn't figured. Isn't Wayne now? Isn't it really Wayne Randazzo? It is indeed yes, Wayne Randazzo. Wayne Randazzo. <laughs> Just what, how we needed him. <laughs> we lost Wayne Randazzo for this. For this. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's, it, and it's all, it's obviously all money. Like, Art Moreno is refusing to pay for the Angels radio broadcast to travel for road games because he feels like it's not worth it because he looked at what was happening during COVID and was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's fine. I think fine. he let out said he didn't see value with it. He liter- Yeah, he literally did say that, um, which is disappointing. It's like you'd think that even when you look around at your other cheap friends and see that they're doing this uh, – and realize that you're the only one not doing this, you'd think that that would raise some alarm bells, but. Uh, I mean, this is just, again, part of the problem with uh, baseball teams being owned by people who don't like baseball or yep. know about it or care about it. Yep. Um, a, a like much more insignificant, but still funny version of this that I didn't even include in the segment because it's not actually like a dunk, but it's still funny. And I feel like I should, mention it because it's the Yankees so it's funny the Yankees don't pay for internet on their flights and they're like one of the only teams that doesn't like which which was really funny Stephanie Apstein like found that out she was like this is why I went to journalism school to inform you all that apparently the Yankees don't pay for internet on the team on the team's flights they have to pay for their own wi-fi yes they literally have to pay for their own (laughs) wi-fi Um, and I, I forget which, which Phillies player it was one of the Phillies players. Like she, she said that to him and, and he goes, dang, and they have to shave their faces too. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that is such a good burn. Uh, I'm kind of mad. I can't remember which Phillies player it was. I think it might've been Brandon Marsh. Um, that would be appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it might've been Brandon Marsh, but I can't remember for certain. So don't quote me on that. It's little things like that. Like, do something small to make your team happy. Why not do it? Yeah, I don't know. I do not know why the Yankees are not paying for Wi-Fi on team flights. Um, like, I do know why. they can afford it, but still. Yes. But, I don't know. It's just, just like seems... any stupid way to cut corners. Like, yeah. It's so silly. Um, so, yeah, that's... That's other that's other teams being cheap this week. Um as I am want to do, like I said, uh, you know, roller coaster podcast, we will we will wrap up with a good piece of news. Um, which is that we uh March was uh March was women's history month, and so uh baseball was, you know, doing various promotions for that throughout the year or throughout the month, throughout the year, throughout the month. Hopefully it, it would, would be great nice. if they did it throughout yeah. the year. Um throughout the month. Um and uh on the very last day on March 31st, uh MLB tweeted that uh there are a record number of women's co- of women coaches this season at the professional level. There are 19 women coaching this season at the professional level in Major League Baseball, which we is love to see it. Awesome. And four of them are in the New York Mets organization, which is more than any other organization. Yeah. <laughs> and well, we will they- try to get them on the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, like we said, like the Mets have always had a history with 
with women. Like their first owner was a woman. Now they have another part owner who is a woman. So it's just nice to see that that tradition still continues. Yeah. So that was like great, really great news. Um, it was just, ha- uh, it would just, it just made me happy to see it. Obviously, again, like we say with all these things, it's all incremental progress and there's a lot, a lot more, a lot more room to grow here. Um, but this is a good start and it's always heartwarming to see. So did that include Marisol Castro or no? No. Okay. Uh, she's not a coach. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's I know if, like on the field counted. So yeah. So you can even throw her into that too. Yeah. She is a big part of the Mets organization. Um, it's true. So yeah, it's it, it was cool to see that. It was cool to to see that there's a record number of women coaches in in Major League Baseball, and and to look and count and see four of them, uh, in the Mets organization, um, more than any other team. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, um, we will wrap up the show this week with walk off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week baseball-related or otherwise. Linda Cerovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, well, my walk-off, we have a TV in our lobby at work, um, but it's we don't have a cable box or anything to for it, So, um, but it's hooked up to the internet. Um, so we don't, we currently don't have a director, so I got the idea, since <laughs> we were all stuck at work, why don't we try to stream the Met game on on opening day, because my whole, almost all of us at work are all Mets fans. And since we don't have a director, it's like, we don't have a boss to tell us no. So why don't we just do it? And I'm like, plus I'm sure the patrons will love it. Um, so yeah, so my coworker bought in her Amazon Fire Stick. We hooked the TV up and had the Mets game on in the lobby. So even though I was at work, I still got to watch the game. And like I would like, when the Mets were batting, I would like go running out to the lobby, watch the Mets, and then go running back to the desk. <laughs> and then, um, and I did a baseball story time um, in the morning. And then uh, this one little boy with his nanny, his nanny came up to me and she goes, oh, he loves baseball and he loves the Mets. And I was like, oh, well, I'll have yes. to show you my bracelet because I wore my my Alex Anani Mets bracelet. And he, he like lit up and he left the children's room yelling, let's go Mets. <laughs> Yeah, while they're young. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that just made my whole day. So it was like, like, even just being at work and, you know, being able to celebrate opening day in my own biased way, because we didn't put it on, yes, when the Yankees were playing. We just left <laughs> it on old, we just put it on S&Y and left it on S&Y all day. And yes, then the course, correct move. Yeah, so um, so of course I was not expecting walking into the lobby at one point, like heading towards um the back area, the back office area, and hearing, well, David Wright just turned it from a three nothing ball game to a six nothing ball game with his bases clearing double. I was like, oh, I was, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, but yeah, so opening day was a good day. We uh we found ways to celebrate even though we were at work, and it made it even better that the Mets won. So, yep, it was a good day. That's my walk-off win. Yeah. I mean, like, just having baseball back is just, like, I don't know, just improves my life immensely every year. Like, I always find I'm just in a better mood by default because baseball is back in my life. Um, I have something to look forward to every day. Um, So that's always nice. Um, My walk-off win for this week um, is it was somewhat of a surprise, which is that um, my close friend um, stayed with us over the weekend um, to uh, run to stay with us to run the Cherry Blossom uh, 10 miler here in D.C. Um, She wasn't planning on staying with us originally. She was going to stay with her parents who live um, in the kind of general area, the suburbs. Um, But unfortunately, her family had uh, a covid uh, incident so uh she couldn't stay oh, with them no, but also yeah yeah it was kind of like <laughs> oh no she can't stay with her family i she didn't have covid but um her mom does and so um, well i mean i hope she is well yeah she is well um 
And but so unfortunately, she couldn't stay with her parents. Uh, and so she came to stay with us instead for the race, um, which means I was graced by her presence. Um, and we I, I got up early, uh, early this morning um, and watched watched the race uh, and got to watch her run. Um, and that was very fun. It was a very bittersweet moment for me because this is a race that I have run every year since 2014, I think. Um except for uh in 2020 when the the race was canceled due to covid um but this is a race i've run every year for almost a decade now um and this is the first time i haven't been able to run it because of my knee um so i was really sad like when the gun went off i was kind of like if this feels like wrong like i should be in there like this is weird that this isn't because it's always like a part a big part of my spring like baseball starts and then i run this race it's almost like the kickoff to my spring every year. Um, it's like a reliable part of my, my life every year. So to not have that was like kind of weird, um, kind of in the same way that like, it was weird when baseball season didn't start on time. Um, almost just feels like a surreal, like that time has stopped or something. Um, but I, I was less sad than I actually thought I would be. I, I thought that I would be too sad to even go. Um, but I went, uh, cause my friend was running and I wanted to support her and I ended up, I ended up having a fantastic time. I felt like that one moment of sadness that I let myself feel when the gun went off and I was like, I should be in there. And then after that, I was just like, Oh, look at all the runners. This is so nice. I'm so happy. I love being a DC resident. I love, this is such a great event every year and look at them go and they're all do look so good. And everyone always comes together for this. The cherry blossoms are beautiful. <laughs> so I just I ended up feeling happy in the end. And my my friend ran a, ran a fantastic race. I'm super proud of her. She ran one of her best times. Um, and so it was great. Um, and I got to hang out with her all weekend and watch the women's basketball final four um, and all that stuff in the final today because um, she's a huge women's basketball, women's college basketball fan. So I was getting to watch that uh, with her alongside the Mets. So it was just like a nice weekend. And I got to watch the race and uh, give myself motivation to be back next year running the cherry blossom race again um so that's my walk-off this week um yeah so that does it for the show this week um you can find mine and linda's writing at amazingavenue.com we've started recapping all the all the games you can find game recaps every day um you can find this podcast um at homerunapplesauce.com um, you can also subscribe to the podcast on your favorite uh, podcast app of choice. Um, just search Homer and Applesauce. You can find us there. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find us, especially right now while we're still in this kind of transition period with the new network. Um, if you would like to support our work, you can go to patreon.com slash Applesauce. $5 a month gets you bonus content, two bonus pods a month, live stream events, access to our Discord server. So please, please become a patron if you haven't already. Um, it's really, really helpful to us. Um, you can follow Home Run Applesauce on all the social medias, uh, Twitter and Instagram at HR Applesauce, probably part of Fans First Sports Network. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok as well at a pod of their own. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there's no crying in life.